like to just take a few moments and encourage us with uh, the word of God as God spoke to us through the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the Roman Christians. And I'm going to be looking at chapter 8, uh, a large portion of Romans chapter 8. And in verses 9 through 31 in particular, there's this very little, somewhat insignificant word that, that shows up in the English translations. Uh, typically, it'll be about 10 different times in that text. Uh, it is the little English word, if. Now, if in the English language often conveys the idea of doubt or even possibility. But in, in the Greek sense, the word is used as a conditional particle. It, it sets a condition. And when a condition is set, it highlights um, both sides of an issue. Now, that's the way this word is found in Romans chapter 8, because this word actually establishes the difference, the conflict between the unbeliever's natural fleshly impulses, which even believers still struggle with. It's contrasted with the, the certain work, the absolute certain work of the Holy Spirit of God who is dwelling in us. Uh, that's exactly what Jesus said when he said to Nicodemus, describing salvation, he said, we are those who are born of the Spirit, John chapter 3 and uh, verse 6. So because we're born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is living in us. And so we find this word, simple as it is, small as it is, highlighting the certainty that comes when we are born of the Holy Spirit and dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the one certainty is this great contrast. If you look at verse 9, for example, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And here's this word. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, you see the condition established, you're either on one side or the other. And if the spirit of God is dwelling in you, you're not in the flesh. In fact, the very next phrase, uh, the word shows up again, though not in typical English translations, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, or if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to Christ. Well, that's a great reality, and there's a great contrast, but because of that, there's this great truth. Look at verse 10, but, and there's that word, if Christ is in you, and we could almost translate it because, because Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness, gives us life. And so this is the, the very righteousness of Christ that we receive when we are born again by the Spirit of God. Therefore, you have this confidence in verse 11. If or because the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Now, because that's true, because that's true, you go to verse 13. And this contrast also has to be true. If you live according to the flesh, you die. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so we see that responsibility that is given to us who are so privileged to be indwelt by the spirit of God that makes us distinct. How distinct? Well, look down at verse 17. And if, see that word again, if we're children, well, then we're also heirs. We're heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. But now look at this condition. Provided or if 
That's the word. If we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified him. Now, you look at all those wonderful promises and you look at that contrast, and you just realize the, the incredible work of the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us as he gives us new birth in Jesus Christ through faith. And, and we could come to the idea of all the people in the world, people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God must live a, a great life, an ideal life, the, the idyllic, peaceful, quiet life. But notice in verse 17, that's not the case, is it? Because as you go to verse 17 again, we see something starting. See that condition? Provided we suffer with him. We're reminded here that as believers, even though we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, even though we have the righteousness of Christ, we do deal with pain. And we do have to face suffering and difficulty. And we do have questions as we try to endure this life, you know, in spite of the reality that we are indwelt by the very spirit of God, and he is giving us life as Christ intended it to be, doesn't mean we'll have an easy life. Now, are, are, are we not filled by the spirit of God? Verse nine, yes. Are we not led by the Holy Spirit of God? Yes, verse 10. And because he's dwelling in us, are we possessing his righteousness right now? Yes, verse 10. And because of that, don't we have the privilege to cry out to God, calling him Abba, Father, verse 15? Well, yes, we have that privilege. And, and more than that, because God is our Father, are we not heirs with Jesus Christ? Well, yes, verse 16, that's true. And that truth is constantly confirmed in us as the Holy Spirit testifies, verse 17. So, how do we explain trials for people who are so privileged? Why, why do we have fears and doubts and questions? Well, because even though we're indwelt by the Spirit of God, we are living in a world full of sin. And in that sinful world, we are reminded that we're weak. And because we're weak, we need God's help. And that brings us to one of the greatest promises, I think, in the word of God. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit, see, the same Holy Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Why? Well, we, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What a, what a wonderful reality that in this struggle in life, there are often times when, when I really don't know how to pray. There, there are times when I don't know what I should be praying for or how I should be praying. Sometimes the struggle is so deep and so painful that I cannot even find words to describe the depth of my need. And so sometimes in, in times like that, what, how do I pray? What do I do? Well, we say, Abba, Father, help me. You know, that, that appears to be David's condition very often in the Psalms when, when he would just confess, I cried to the Lord 
know, that's all we can do. We, we don't know what to say. We don't know how to pray. In our weakness, there are times when all we can do is cry out to our Father and say, help. But here comes the great promise. Because we are indwelt by the Spirit of God, at that time, he intercedes for us as we're trying to pray. Verse 27, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, this Holy Spirit who is dwelling in us and making us distinct and making us different represents us before our Father. And he carries our burden to our Father. And he expresses our heart's desire, which the Father knows better than we do. And we, we, we have this incredible burden, but sometimes our heart is deceitful, Jeremiah 17, 9. But the good news is it's God who tries the heart. It's God who tests the heart. And he knows even the heart of the Holy Spirit. And so he hears and he understands even our weak efforts in prayer, which leaves us with very important challenge. Because we are indwelt by the Spirit of God who will intercede for us in prayer, we really should be living moment by moment in fellowship with him so that as we pray, we'll be able to pray in, in perfect union with God's desires for us. And that is a gracious and kind and loving God who gives us, his children, uh, this incredible privilege to pray.